Welcome to The Drift, where today we are joined by a special repeat guest, Skid, from the Glass Cannon Podcast. As a member of the Glass Cannon Podcast, Skid has brought to life some amazing characters like Galabras Finn, Nestor Coin, Pembroke the Pensive, and Jane Lowe. And so we asked him to come on the show today to share with us his process for making a character and some things for us all to think about as we're making our new Starfinder characters. Well, today on The Drift, we are honored to welcome back Skid from the Glass Cannon Podcast. Skid, thanks for being here on The Drift. Oh, thank you, Jason. I'm so happy to be back. Uh, enjoyed my time last time, and I've been enjoying your show uh, since. Uh, so yeah, this is great. Well, and I wanted to just kind of touch base because since you were last on the show, lots happened with Glass Cannon Podcast over at Nerds on Earth. We're all huge fans. I think all of us are Patreons. Um, so <laughs> let's you, talk a little you. bit. So over the course of the summer, um, your Patreon kept growing and growing and growing, moving towards uh, that second show. So uh, for you guys, I imagine when you started out recording and uh, putting this out in the world, did you think that the show would ever get that kind of fan base and leverage? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think we ever thought we'd get even to this point. I, uh, we never envisioned an official relationship with, with Paizo. Uh, I think we said on the first episode that if we get like a dozen people listening to us, I remember thinking like at the beginning, it's like, man, if we could just we get like a hundred people listening, that'd be so cool. Right. It's like, oh man, we could fill like a VFW hall with people who listen to our show. Like, that'd be so great. Um, so, but yeah, this is, this is, this has been awesome. And now to get to this, this level and to have so many, the, the donors and everything, like giving us the flexibility to do other things. It's, it's, it's exciting. I gotta say. Yeah, definitely. And and you guys from there have seen like live events spring up and happen in uh, different parts of the country where your fans have put together these events and people get together, play Pathfinder. Uh, it's been really cool to watch those happen in some other places. And, and then you guys got to go to Gen Con. So I, I didn't know, have you ever been to Gen Con before? Was this your first time? Oh yeah, this was uh, this was definitely my first time. And I've, I tell everybody, I've been wanting to go to a Gen Con since I was in fifth grade. Like I saw, I got to find this actual issue of Dragon Magazine, but there was an ad for it in Dragon Magazine. I remember reading it in class during magazine time. And I saw, oh, Gen Con, <laughs> what's that? And uh, I started, I was like, that sounds amazing. Like, and I told my best friend, I was like, we have to go. And it's like, yeah, totally. But you know, Wisconsin was pretty far from Denver and uh, especially for someone who's like 10 or whatever, however old we were. So uh that didn't happen for a while but that so to finally do it and for it to be the 50th one and to have the experience that we had at it was just spectacular like it was just if it's cool to like have a a dream that you had as a kid come true as like a middle-aged man like that's pretty neat yeah so i've never been before but uh it was awesome to see you guys go see the different things you guys were sharing as you were there. Um, it's definitely on my list to go now. I, I, I kind of want to experience all the things you guys got to see and do. So while you were there, um, part of your your time together was uh, was Starfinder-based, right? So one of the things that happened is you guys announced that you're going to be playing for your second 
kind of full podcast, the adventure path, the first adventure path for Starfinder. So how long ago had you guys decided that? I was kind of curious about what that process was as you guys were scoping and realizing you, you probably are going to hit that goal. And, um, and what made you guys go towards Starfinder? Uh, I can't remember at what point. I think we were, from the first minute we heard about it, uh, whenever that was, it was a while ago, uh, we were definitely intrigued and thinking about it. I don't know at what point we actually decided to make that the second podcast, but it was a, it was a while back. Um, and uh, it was I, just the, the, the kind of the, the prospect of doing something totally new in a somewhat familiar universe was really exciting. And we knew too that we might annoy some people because, uh, and we did get uh, some feedback about people that were unhappy that we weren't doing more Pathfinder. Um, Because there's some people that just don't, they're not into sci-fi role-playing games at all. Like they're just not their thing. Uh, And we totally get that. But we're hoping that we're able to win them over uh, by the sheer force of our uh, uh, (laughs) semi-aptitude. No, I I would be really surprised if anybody was a fan of you all that wouldn't make the journey over with you. In part because you guys as a group do collective storytelling at such a high level. I I don't know. To genre, genre to me is sort of immaterial. I, I think that's a, that'll, that'll definitely carry over. So one of the things that happened while you guys were there is you actually got to play some Starfinder. So can you talk a little bit about that? Like what, what was your experience there? Um, maybe even kind of what character you got to play? Oh, oh yeah. Uh, well, it's funny. We actually met up with a couple of fans, um, of, of the show who, uh, one of them had written, uh, a one, a one shot, like a, a scenario, like a, a, a space dogfighting scenario. Um, so like, oh, great. So we like went back to the, the house and like we played that and that was great. And then the next day, uh, Paizo, the Paizo folks were nice enough to get us in on, um, one of the, uh, the demo like setups that they had going on. And I, I feel so bad because I was trying to remember the guy's name, the guy, our DM, and I can't do it. He was great. Um, and it turns out that he was actually at one of the, he's, he's never listened to Glass Cannon, but he was at one of our fan meetups because they asked like regional GMs to come in and run scenarios. So I think it was, oh, wow. it was uh, Lexington or Raleigh, maybe one of the Southern ones. Um, so they asked, oh, him yeah, to come you in. guys, you did one in Greensboro. Maybe that was it. That must have been, yeah. it. yes, that was it. That was it. Um, and so, and he was great. And so he ran us through like a tactical scenario with like a lot of gunplay, uh, on the ground. And that was awesome. Like, so it was, it was nice that we got to do both aspects of it. We got to do the space combat, we got to do the ground combat. But, uh, and, and it was funny too because my 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 friend from back in the day, my old dungeon master, uh, my friend Dell, uh, flew out from from Denver um, to be with us at Gen Con, and he's never been to a Gen. No, he had been to a Gen Con, but it was like back when like Gygax was still there. Like it was way back in the day, and so oh, wow. He, yeah, so he got to come too, and he got to sit in on the game, and that was so fun to play with him again. Like I didn't play with him, you know, since. 
I moved to New York with like 1999 or something. And are also our our uh, our artist in residence, uh, Robert Atkins, who does all of our incredible uh, like comic book style art of our characters for our Patreon subscribers. He got to sit in too, and he was great. And it was so fun to play with him. We just had a blast. So yeah, it was it was it was excellent. Just a great great time. Yeah, I mean, we uh, the feedback on the game has been really remarkable. You know, everybody that's played it has talked about how they've enjoyed it. Um, I think most people have spent the bulk of their time, like you said, working on the tactical pieces, the the ship stuff. I just haven't heard a lot of buzz about either way yet. But uh, it's it's interesting to kind of walk through that. So one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show was to talk about how do you create characters? Because with Starfinder, we've got this new game, this new world, you know, this opportunity to create characters. And um, and you, I think, have done such a great job with the stuff we've been exposed to through Glass Cannon that I kind of wanted to just talk some about how do you create a character? What motivates you? How do you start? I mean, you've made the characters of Galabras, of Nestor, of Pembroke, on the <laughs> Patreon, the Jane Lowe character, who s- still makes me laugh. Um, I think <laughs> all of those are really remarkable, really different characters that you've kind of brought to life. So uh, let's. when you're thinking about starting a character, uh, is there a typical way you start? Is there a process that you go through as you're trying to, to figure out what you want to do? Uh, I, I, you know, I was, I was thinking about this cause you asked me about this a while ago and, um, I don't know that I have a set process. I kind of personally, I just wait for inspiration to strike and it can be yeah. off of like some watching a movie or a TV show, or reading a book. It was just like, Oh, that's kind of cool. Like I want to, that's like a character that I like, like ah, that's, that's, I want to do my take on this character. Like that's neat. Like for, in, for instance, uh, last time I was on and a couple of other people you've had on have talked about the expanse, uh, on sci-fi. Um, yeah. And I just started reading the books too. I just started reading Leviathan wakes and I'm loving it. Uh, a phenomenal show. And I think I, it, I think it just came on season two just was made available on uh, Netflix today. Uh, for anyone who's wants to, get oh, very cool. but the character, um, it's, uh, miles, right. Uh, the kind of psycho dude, the bald-headed guy. Yeah, I think that's right. Or Milo. My, what is his name? I can't remember his name. Anyway, um, he that guy, that character was the inspiration for Nestor. Because like I saw that guy and I was just like, oh, I like, you know, he's kind of like a unhinged kind of a bulldog. I'm like, let me well, let me see what I can do with that. And that was the seed for me ending up coming up with Nestor. Um and uh and so, yeah, sometimes it'll be just an actor. It was just like, I could picture an actor in the role and I'll be like, I'll make something for this guy or this, this lady. Um, but then I also, my main, once I settle on that, once I have an inspiration of, to, of a, an art, a template, then what I try to do is come up with uh, a little bit of a backstory and I don't want to go too in depth about it because you want to leave flexibility to fill stuff in later on, like that will fit in with the story that the GM and everyone else is trying to tell. Um, and as you get to know them better, you can, you know, kind of fill that in. And, but my main thing is to find a simple, strong motivation for why they do what they do. 
And I don't even worry about it being cliche. I don't worry about like any of that stuff. I just want something like a, an emotional hook um, that like is quick, like you can say it in like a sentence or two. And it was, and it's really propels their motion. Um, so yeah, and that's it. And then I just kind of go from there. I just kind of like attack on from that, uh, if that makes sense. So as you're crafting that backstory, you talked about you want some, right? You you want to be able to to kind of articulate what the character's motivation is, but you also kind of leave it space to grow it as the the story grows. So like in the character Nestor, there's been a reveal recently that you kind of knew at least in some part about his relationship with his dad. Um <laughs> that I, I think was really, really compelling and interesting. So was that from the get-go? Did, did you know that that was a part of that character, you know, from creation? Or was it something that as the story went on, you, you were kind of piecing together, okay, this is, uh, this is who this character is and what's happening? Uh, that was something I, I had kind of a... No, no, actually. I, I knew that his dad that he was raised by kind of a, a, a Fagin-type character, like from Oliver Twist, that he was uh, like a criminal yeah. as a kid, like part of like a child criminal ring, and that his dad was kind of a shifty. But uh, as far as Nestor like, ended up doing what he does, that came, on, that came out later. Um, my main... Uh, I, I, and that was through like conversations with Troy that I came up with that. Sure. And then... Uh, but my like my main hook was uh, when I did the uh, the backstory and there's a uh, intro to whichever episode it was was him getting captured by giants and losing his teeth and being held captive for so long and tortured and all this and you know and he's he's the kind of guy <laughs> that will that bears a grudge <laughs> and will and will pursue sure. that grudge to the ends of the earth just out of out of pure spite so that that was my first thing and then all the that like i was saying like him doing what he did to his dad like all that that was tacked on afterwards that's like stuff that like kind of uh retroactively justified why he would be that way well and i think it's an interesting thing like you you talked about primary motivation so for him you know, the motivation for being with that party is, is revenge. You know, he, he wants payback for what oh, yeah. happened and, you know, what he saw. At least that's how it starts with the group. Um, I, I think as people are creating characters, that's one of those questions to always ask yourself. Like, what, what motivates this character? Why, why would they care about this situation? Especially when you're delving into something like an adventure path where you sort of have some boundaries that you, you know, you're going to play within. So I think that's a, that's, that's a great tip. So from there, you kind of get a feel for an idea of a character. So what then makes you kind of go to the next step in terms of game dynamics? So like what made you turn Nestor into, you know, an archer, that, that kind of a, a min maxing kind of how, how did you build out the stats and, and that kind of thing? D did the personality influence that or was it, you know, was it part of looking at the party and going, what do we, what do we need? Uh, I think it was partly, you know, well, I think the thing is like, uh, like for the example of Nestor was, I just wanted someone who was dedicated and very skilled at killing people. 
that's really all all mm. that I started with. And so um, and then so I started looking into the Slayer like uh, character class and I was like, this is great. Like this is perfect. And then I started building it. And that's the kind of the cool thing that I like about bringing a character in um, uh, further along as a replacement character, like further along in a story is getting to build a character at like seventh level or something right off the bat. Like that's fun to do all that. Right. all that planning in one shot you know um so as i was you know looking through the the you know the feats and you know what i wanted to do it was just like it just it made it started to make sense for me just looking at mechanically that he would be an archer um and i was just like oh this will be great like it'll be it'll be i've never really played like a dedicated archer like that and uh i'll be like yeah i get to kill people at range and like and oh, and I'll you know when I get to ninth level, I'll take this feat, and I'll do I'll take this ability, and uh, so, but that but it all it all it all came from the core concept of a guy who really, really really good at killing people and really enjoys killing people, um, and so it kind of built out from that. Yeah, I, I think that's such a that idea that that piece of advice of like starting from there and then working backwards. Like a lot of times. I think when people are creating characters for their campaigns, they wind up in a a circumstance where they are just looking at the stats and not looking at the story. And um, I think sort of the next level of role playing is definitely like being invested in your character and your story. And um, and a good DM, a good game master, will help you with that for sure. Right, that's the nice thing too is if you come up with that really strong. It's so funny that like there's so many kind of. Uh, similar tactics to be used in in like D and in, in acting like you know it's a couple of us have been actors like for a long time and the most important thing as an actor is finding the motivation like you hear people talk about that all the time and it's the same for D and like if you can find that motivation if you can really like find something that really hooks you in really hits hits home for you like in the gut that'll drive that'll drive that character forward and it'll make them it'll make it'll it'll you'll end up filling out all of the corners because you'll like them so much more and uh so but that that is the that's the key first thing to do is like to find that motivation and so that's yeah so I, I can't stress that enough very important oh and by the way it's Amos Burton that's that's the name of the character that I was trying to think of before that's yeah. uh gotcha <laughs> Sorry. from uh, from the expand series yeah yes. no i think that's awesome <laughs> And, and I think it's a great example, right? Uh, we can look at other, you know, other forms of media for inspiration, you know, as, as launching points and kind of go in different directions. Yeah. And it can be something like, it doesn't have to even be uh, fantasy or sci-fi or whatever. Like it can, it could be Wuthering Heights. Like if you find a character in that, it's just like, this is a personality type that I find interesting. You can adapt that into whatever setting it is you're playing, you know? Yeah. I think we've seen that. So we have a group that's playing through Starfinder now, and it's really interesting because most of the most of the guys put together their character, their idea, their backstory first, which has been interesting because then we, as they started to build it out, once we had the rules, uh, it, it goes against type. Um, you know, <laughs> we're definitely not a min max party. It's like, wait, oh, good. if that's I'd good. known this, this might be a little different. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like. Um, <laughs> But it's made for some really interesting characters. So I, I that's think that that's a, a thing to to start with. Like give you give yourself a character you can really be invested in, and then that makes 
the mechanics of the game will work themselves out. That that'll happen in in due course and time. And so when when you get to that point when you're starting to make a, a character, you're building them out, you're using all the rules. What um are, are you at that point in time just using that backstory and trying to serve that as best you can? Or are there times when as you're starting to make out a character, you go, that's interesting. That may help shape the story a little bit too if I go in this direction. Oh, as far as as far as the rules go, like impacting? Um, I think the... Well, that it's, it's funny because that's why it's different than just writing uh, as far as like as most right. character creations, like it's, you know, you're writing a play or a book or something uh because the mechanics the rules of the game can uh can feed into can 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 uh color the the character you're creating at the same time so it's like because the cool thing that i like about it is you can't just do anything you want like you're you're met with this set of these sets of restrictions um that i think actually Rather than counterintuitively, rather than inhibiting uh, creativity, they actually make creativity blossom. Um, and so it's like it, it, it can help like ground the character and make it more real. Just having to abide by whatever rules it is, whatever the class that you're trying to, you know, to make. Um, yeah, they can end up they can they can end up affecting their personality. It's it's really it's really interesting. Um, but I try not to min, min max. I don't know if, but you can do that if that fits into your character. Like for, I did definitely do a little min maxing for Nestor, but only because that was the character concept was a guy who was just as good at killing as I could make him. Like that's what I wanted to do. So I did do a little of that. I did none of it for Galabras. I actually did some some minning <laughs> uh, for Glabus because <laughs> I, you know I actually heard him like his <laughs> effectiveness because it fit in with the character. So so yeah. Well, and I think as as people are building out their characters, that's something to consider. It's both and right. It's it's both parts working together, trying to to create a whole character. You've got backstory, you've got story, you've got motivation. And then you look at the rules and how does that fit? How does that play into, you know, creating a, a well-rounded character that you can then put in a game and grow? So so knowing that you guys are going to be eventually embarking on a Starfinder uh, adventure path, have you given any kind of thoughts to what you might do in that? Oh, man. Uh, that scenario? <laughs> uh, yes, I have. Um, yes, I have. It's funny because Grant and I both have similar things that we kind of are interested in, so we're going to have to negotiate that. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I did want to – I don't want to give too much away, but uh, I uh, – Yeah, I, I don't want you to spoil anything <laughs> that you're not allowed to talk about or anything. Okay. All right. Well, um, I, and I, I, I was thinking when we sat down – to play the second time, actually both times, I ended up playing the, the same iconic both times. I ended up playing a uh, Quig. Okay. Uh, the uh, Isoki, uh, you know, engineer. Um, and I had a real good time with that. 
and I started working on the uh, the Belter. I started working on the Belter, like Creole, for, like from the Expanse. And so that was that his voice, uh, uh-huh. kind of an in for that. And so I like trying to get like that's my sort of thing that I that so that was a hook for me. Like that was that you know. And I've been working on like getting it better, like working at like Jared Harris. He, like he's got like the the uh, the the kind of canonical like uh, Belter Creole. So I'm I, I take it off him, but I, you know it's all about the aqua, you know. So I'm using, awesome. I use the voice as like kind of an in for the character so that that like inform. So now I have to fight Grant and I'm hoping it doesn't come down to fisticuffs because he'll just murder me. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I don't know. But like I do want to like I want to involve because it's so funny because like um, if I could digress for a second, because when I was a kid. Uh, the first, the sci-fi game that I played as a kid was um, Traveler. I've ta- I talked about it with you last time. And yeah. the th- and the thing that got me really psyched for Traveler, like as a sci-fi thing, wasn't Star Wars. It wasn't Star Trek. Uh, it was Thundercats. Oh, that's awesome. And yeah, it was like, because I, I saw the pilot, the first episode of, of Thundercats. And we'd already been playing traveler and i was just like you guys have to see this show like i told my friends it was just like this is solid sci-fi like this is this is a good sci-fi show and i want to use like some some of this stuff like i ended up using like i can't remember what but i I definitely use it as inspiration so that like the expanse right now is kind of filling the same the same role for me as uh you know as kind of a piece of media like inspiring me so uh yeah so if nothing else like i just want to use the voice (laughs) I will see where that goes. <laughs> no. And yeah. And I, I think that's, you know, sometimes that's the hook that gets us. And from there, yeah. you know, we, we can build out from, from that spot. Yeah. I do think, um, Starfinder character creation is really interesting from, you know, the, the default idea they have is not rolling dice, right? You, you yeah. got your points and you build out and you, um, I, I think that's really an, a good uh, mechanic. It, it really helps sort of, balance out characters and skills and, and those kinds of things. And I, and I like the idea of that you've got the race component and the class component, and then, you know, the, the specialization part that all kind of the trio works together in some really unique ways that I think, um, a lot of people are playing around with all kinds of different kinds of characters to, to get them, uh, them built. That's one thing I'm excited about having only played with the iconic so far is playing with, those combinations you know it's kind of like you know those picture books that you they're they're like three parts and it's just like one part you flip over is the head and one part's the torso and one's the legs and you have all the different weird combinations like that's kind of like what starfinder feels like for me is that you have the race you have the class and you have the uh what's it called the concepts concept is that what it is uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank, but I can't remember. yeah, I can't remember. Th- but the third thing, and so you, it's like you can, it, it, like even even at this point where it's just the core rules, and you just have those kind of that that first kind of batch of of possibilities, it's exponential because like you can combine them in all crazy ways. So I'm so excited to try that out. Well, and you can take those and make any so any kind of character that you have as an inspiration, you can take between those three pieces pretty get pretty close to making those 
like we have a Slack channel for Nerds on Earth, and we kind of have played around with that idea. We would throw out a character and go from from media and go. So what would that be? And you know, we'll, we'll bat it around a little bit and get pretty close, pretty you know, most of the time. So I, I think that that's um. For a new game where you're trying to bring people in, that's a dynamic of Starfinder. I think really is going to help. You know, the, the you can say to somebody, "Tell me what you like, and yeah. we'll help you build a character." We can make it happen. Yeah, and get pretty close to that. I think yeah, that's really totally. a, a really cool dynamic, and um, and we're we're seeing that. Yeah, I mean that's one of the things that they pitched from the beginning, like when they were first talking about it, like with you guys and and everywhere else was that whatever kind of sci-fi game you want to play, like we can accommodate that. Like whether you want to do some grimdark, like, you know, Warhammer 40K or something like gritty and, and dark like Aliens, or you want to do like space fantasy, like Star Wars or science, science, it's hardcore science fiction, like Star Trek, you can, we can do it all. And just looking from what I've seen, that seems to be true. And so... Uh, are you guys playing Dead Suns? Is that the game you're playing? Or are you doing something else? Yeah, so we've really just so far have been playing the uh, society stuff, the Starfinder Society quest. So I've been reading through Dead Suns. I- I'll say um, one of the things that I didn't anticipate them doing as well as they did in the the core book and then the first adventure path is how well they're building out um, Absalon Station in that setting. Um it's really, really good. And and as oh, much great. as you can go out into another corner of the universe and do it completely different, they're giving you a lot of compelling reasons to stay in their world, you know, the the adventure path, the station, all those kinds of things. So it's it's um I've been really surprised. To me, it's one of the strongest parts of the book is they talk about the pack worlds and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, that's great. I think that yeah, reading just reading it in the core rule book. That's it's so important to have uh, a setting like a place that feels like home, like something that's really fleshed out that you can you can launch off from. And um, yep. so, yeah, Absalom Station is perfect for that. And I'm glad I'm glad that they've done such a good job with it. Well, and then to be able, like you said, you could go out and tell all kinds of stories, you know, in the far corners of the universe. It's wide enough. And, you know, with the uh, the technology they talk about, you can get there. So. I think it's um, it's a really smart way to launch a game. Give it a great setting, yeah. but also, if you want to go off and do your own thing, you know, here's here's the core rules and go do it. So, and I think you've seen that in a lot of um, man, at launch, there's been a lot of third party material. Yeah, yeah, um, but that I was I can't remember if we talked about it last time, but uh, TSR's uh, sci-fi game that they came out with in like eighty six, eighty five, eighty six was Star Frontiers. And that yeah. was the thing, even though the setting was was good, like it was a good setting, it was really fleshed out, pretty well fleshed out. It was also, it felt very limiting because there was no, there didn't allow any possibilities for any, like it was limited to like one sector and like mechanically, like you really couldn't go outside of it from what I remember. And so it felt very small. Whereas Starfinder feels you could make it as big as you want. You can concentrate, you can stay on one planet if you want to, or you could make it as huge as you want. Yeah, I think for game masters and players, it just opens up a world of possibilities. And um, the adventure path is great and definitely a place to delve into. But if you want to homebrew and go in a different direction, um, you know, the core rules to do that are there. And, you know, vast expanse of space and unexplored planets are waiting. So. Hey, thanks for being on the show. And 
we always close. So I, I want to know what are you nerding out on that uh, isn't Starfinder that we should all kind of be checking out and digging into? Besides the expanse? Yeah. But man, <laughs> I, if, if, if you've listened to the show by now and don't know that you should be checking out the expanse, you are not paying attention. And everyone comes on, everybody comes on and says, watch the expanse. Seriously, watch the damn expanse. It is so good. I finally got Troy to start watching it. I'm very happy about that. Because uh, oh, I literally cool. don't know anyone else I can talk about it with. Um, but <laughs> apart from that, uh, <laughs> uh, it's funny. I started watching. Um, I started watching. I live in uh, the same building with Grant now. So uh, on, on our show. So uh, we started watching animes together. <laughs> so okay. We started watching. Uh, uh, oh, we start. We, first of all, we went all the way through Attack on Titan. I got him into that. Oh, nice. Um, and uh, oh my God, I could not believe how how amazing it was. And the new season just came out. We just finished that. Uh, just had a blast with that. And then from that we went on to One Punch Man, uh, which I liked even better than Attack on Titan. I was bowled over by that. Um, so we both, but that's over. We've both done all that. And then the other thing that I just watched the other night was uh, the new Amazon Prime version of The Tick. Uh, the live oh, a- new yeah. live action show, and I really enjoyed that. Uh, it was a very short season; it's six episodes, and it was funny. <laughs> I was actually walking home from the subway uh, past Forest Park here in Queens, and there was a shoot going on, like a you know a TV shoot. And I was oh, and they you know when they do it, like they post little signs to see like what the project is, and I look at the sign on the on the on the light light post, and it was like the tick. I was like, oh, my God. And I happened to be wearing my Tick t-shirt. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so I was like, should I go over there? I was like, should I go over there and see if Peter Serafinowicz or somebody is over there? And it's like, hey, Spoon. I was so tempted. I was just like, but I hate bothering people when they're working. So I was yeah. like, I didn't do it. And I've reg- I regretted it every day since. Um, but yeah, so oh, I've been watching funny. that. And actually, I've been watching all the old after we did that, I started watching all the old animated ticks uh, on YouTube, and they are even better than I remembered them being. Oh, yeah. Th- um, it is so a hilarious yeah. show. Um, definitely does a lot with superhero tropes. and Love it. Is a really good comedy if people haven't checked it out. Yeah, and I thought of it because One Punch Man reminded me a lot of the tick. Uh, I think whoever created it uh, almost certainly like uh, had the tick in mind because it's the, some very similar beats are hit and I, I loved it. Awesome. Well, again, Skid, thanks for coming on and talking about characters and uh, creation, kind of giving us a little bit of an update as, uh, as you guys are the glass cannon prepared to play Starfinder. We're, uh, we're all looking forward to it. Can't wait. So excited. Thank you for having me on again. Uh, and uh, yeah, can't wait to, can't wait to start. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks Skid. Okay. Thank you. You've been listening to The Drift. Special thanks to our guest this week, Skidmar. If you aren't checking out the Glass Cannon podcast where Skid and others are playing through the Pathfinder Giant Slayer Adventure Path, you should definitely check it out. You can learn more about that show and their soon-to-be-released Starfinder playthrough at glasscannonpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Out in the Drift, where we will always welcome your feedback and ideas for future episodes. As always, special thanks to Andrew Danielson, our audio engineer, for his hard work, as well as composing our amazing theme song. You can learn more about him at danielsonsound.com. Until next time, 
We will see you out in the drift.